Welcome to episode number four of the J Bunny's Music Hub podcast. I'm your host, J Bunny. Now, about three weeks ago, as you know, if you've been listening, I went to uh, the Stanhope House in Stanhope, New Jersey for Seas of Wake's farewell show. And uh, one of the other bands uh, on the show, the opening band of the show, uh, was a band I've been following for a while called Thanatotic Desire. So while I was at the show, I interviewed uh, Will, their bassist and singer, and their uh, their drummer Dave uh, joined the interview as well. Um, it was great to have those guys on. Uh, I get to catch up on on a lot of stuff with them. You know, they, they were they were around a while before I knew who they were. So uh, that was one of the one of the questions I asked was to sort of tell me about where they where they were before I knew about them. So you'll hear that they'll talk about. Uh, the new album that they've got ready to go, but isn't out yet. Uh, you know, there's a lot, a lot, a lot with those guys. Got about an hour here of uh, hour of interview. Really well done, I think. Uh, not not saying that I did well, but I feel like this this one this interview went really smoothly. Will answered a lot of my questions before I had the chance to ask them, so you don't hear me asking too much because uh, Will beat me to it a lot of the time. Um, but I think that, that made for for a really great conversation because I didn't have to ask too uh, too much. So, uh, without further ado, here's Will and Dave. All right, what's up? It's Jay Bunny. I am still here at the Stanhope House in Stanhope, New Jersey, and right now I am sitting down with Will Winton and Dave Frick from Phanatonic Desire. Yes, sir. How are you guys? How you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having us. So I have. First things first, I gotta I gotta know how you guys came up with your band name and what is the proper way to pronounce oh, your band name. All right, name? all right. This is a common, common question. I actually haven't been asked in a very formal format in quite some time, so thank you for asking. Thanatotic desire. The root word is thanatos, which has a, multiple definitions. We like to take the Sigmund Freud psychological definition, which is the Basically, the inner will to die. Ah. Most of us, you know, in, in a fight or flight situation, we choose to fly and run away. Fighting has its risks. Dying has its risks. To put it simple, if you do something like skydiving, you're jumping out of a. Can I curse? Yeah. You're yes. jumping out of a fucking plane with no risk, no thought of living. Like, you know damn well if anything goes wrong, <laughs> splat. But you don't care, because you're there for the thrill. You're living life without the fear of death. Okay. So it's not suicidal, because I try to get shit done. So if I was suicidal, you'd be reading my obituary. Yeah. Thanatotic desire is more about living life without fearing death, and not having fear moving forward to do things for fun. It's all about quality of life. Okay. That's cool. I was always I was looking at the spelling too. Like I said, the per, the correct pronunciation oh, has always thrown me off. We've heard it all. And I remember too. You you've said before, like at other shows, because I've seen you guys a ton. Oh, dude, like oh, we like go, we go back, dude. It was like oh, look look us up on Facebook. It doesn't as long as you're close, you'll find us. There's, nothing, <laughs> there's yeah, uh, pretty I, much. I don't mean to plug other bands, but I know there's a Thanatopsis. They're fucking. They're way heavier and like like crazier than us. Uh, we we're more the melodic death metal yeah. stuff. But uh, they exist. There's a band called Thanatos, which my root word for all of this was Thanatos. That is the definition. So having, you know, you take the adjective from it, Thanatotic desire. Yeah. Like, 
I want to die, but I don't want to die. I just want to excel, really. Okay. Um, so you guys first appeared on my radar in about 2012 or 13 when you guys were playing shows, a lot of shows at Dingbats, 40 Below Summer. Yeah, those um, good times. And, uh, but you guys were around for a long time before that. Uh, yeah. You guys formed in 07, from what I can find. So can you tell me like a bit about the period of time before I knew about you? Oh, I like this, yeah. Thanatonic Desire started with, actually, I'm glad I have Dave with me yeah. here. Because yeah, yeah. uh, we started this band. <laughs> I, I had this band before this called The Villa Tragedy. And... Um, our, our drummer actually recently just passed away, uh, Ryan Heisler. Oh, I saw your post. I didn't... Yeah, Ryan Heisler was our drummer for that band. He was a good guy. Uh, he passed away young, but um, we all had... Me and my last guitarist, Rich Guadagno, had this vision of just melodic metal that has heavy stuff, yet catchy stuff at the same time. We wanted to bring the crunch, but we wanted to keep it melodic. That was the initial vision, and I'm, I'm going circa two. 2006 yeah. was when Villa Tragedy was was doing its thing. We never got too 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 big or anything in the local scene. We played a few shows here and there. Never really broke out as opposed to the bands I was in prior to this to that. Uh-huh. So um, I was really trying to get a drummer who wanted to do more and do do the touring, do the hard work, someone who's got financial capabilities like the rest of us so we can all go in on, you know, when you're starting a band, you need to put money into it. Right, right. Just like a business. And uh, a friend of mine, Anna, put me in touch with Dave. Yeah, we have a, we have a mutual friend. I was down uh, on vacation uh, with a friend of mine at her beach house, and she brought one of her friends from uh, her college, which was Anna, uh, Anna DiNardo. Anna DiNardo Smith. Yes. And, Old friend. Uh, so we got to talking, and she's like, oh, I know this guy uh, who's trying to start a band. Let me call him. And this was on a Saturday. <laughs> and she called him right then and there, put me on the phone with him. We got to talk, and he's like, hey. and so Will was like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm like, uh, come on up. Well, let's do this. All right. And, and basically, Thanatotic Desire was born. And that, that, was, was, that was the start of Thanatotic Desire. That was the fall of 2007. Like late, summer late fall, August. yeah, it was late, late August, August, September of 2007 is yeah. when me and Rich and uh, an old singer Chris, who was the singer of the Villa Tragedy, came up to Dave and we jammed for the first time on some of the old songs and a couple songs we didn't do that ended up being, you know, some of our early songs like right. uh, Blood of Another, Tomorrow Never Came. Yep. So. And then uh, at that point, uh, we played, we uh, we jammed together for probably about two or three months. Yeah, and that's when months. I was like, "Hey, man, you got you really got to see my buddy Ben. He's the guitar. He's my guitarist." Yeah, I needed this to add. Can, I needed to add more. I needed to add either a lead guitarist or a keyboard. I do recall pushing keyboard a lot in the beginning because <laughs> yeah. I come from a very power metal, melodic metal background. Right. And I there's keyboards and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You can, the versatility. You know, you can add orchestra. We we've only utilized that in the studio, but um, yeah, Dave was like, "Nah, dude, I got this guy who plays guitar," and he brought Ben in. Yep. And uh, that, his audition was quick as shit. Then <laughs> 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 boy's like, well, what do you want me to play? I was like, I don't know, show, show off for a minute. He's yeah. just like, Something like that? Yeah, I, I totally remember <laughs> yeah. Rich being like, so you got any tricks? Yeah, that was and he's it. like, what just like this crazy stuff. And, and they were impressed, and that was it. Yeah, we brought Ben in pretty fucking 
immediate. Yeah. He's so. more he's more of like a, a thrash speed metal background. Yeah. You know, he's in a cannibal corpse and slayer and everything. And so when we started writing songs together, he started writing things with the melodic approach in mind, like something to basically meet what me and Rich were you know, the goal of the band at the time. Right. So we came up with, I think the first couple songs he wrote was like DDD, yep. Solitary yep. Confinement. Yep. Um, you know, we, we, this is about 2009. We, we, we got into the studio a little bit. There was this little studio next to our rehearsal studio, Jam Studios, where we did like a couple songs and got our first taste of recording and stuff yep. like that. It's awful. <laughs> but then we went back and refined it and we got like a, a five song EP. Five song, yeah. yeah, it was a five song yeah. EP that we called the DDD EP. And DDD stands for Death, Decay, and Destruction, okay. which is Sigmund Freud's definition. It's the primal urge for death, decay, and destruction. That is the, the Thanatos of everybody. Everyone has this in them. Okay. You know? So that was part of the message right from the beginning that we went in with. Hey, we got uh, David Zeck walking in here on our podcast. Hey, what's up, Dave? <laughs> I already did one time. <laughs> yeah, what's what's I'm another? I'm just going to sit here because I need a break. It's all, all good. Problem, it's man. all good. A breather. So, yeah, that was 2009, and uh, we used to give that CD out in paper sleeves. Yep. We gave it to everyone. We would we were driving in the street. Someday we see some dude in an Iron Maiden shirt. Yo! Hey, buddy! You like metal? Whoosh! Whip! Throw it <laughs> Hey, fuck out! Oh, okay, cool. I'll check this out. Then you see Facebook, or, my, or actually back then it was MySpace. MySpace. MySpace get a friend, like, oh, cool, whoa, we're so <laughs> cool. So that was 2009. Um, I, let's see, you said you, you, you started hearing us about 2012. Well, 12, 2009, yeah. we, were, we were starting to go into the studio to start to record. Uh, well, 2009 Death is Wish. when DDD came out, when the well, whole thing we, came that's out. That's when we were doing Death Wish, when we went actually, actually into uh, Backroom Studios with Kevin and Trisha. It was more like 2010, 11, because it came out in 11. Yeah, but we were in the studio recording for a well, while. Well, what happened, what, 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 yeah, we were. What happened was, in around that time, after the first EP came out, and, and that the, the lineup was myself doing vocals and bass, Dave doing drums, Ben doing lead guitar, and my old friend Rich Cudagno playing rhythm guitar. So, what happened was, I came down with pneumonia, like a vicious, vicious case where I contracted it four times within two years. Jesus. I had it twice a year. I was unable to sing a lot of stuff because it's like every other freaking week, right. hack it. I, I was like, dude, I gotta do something. So before the Villa Tragedy, before Thanatotic Desire, I was in a band called Slaughter for Sanity. Right. All right, and that consisted of myself and the members of my high school band, Shrapnel. But they had a singer. They had a guy named Tom Gilmartin. Right. And. Slaughter for Sanity evolved on its own as Thanatotic Desire evolved on its own and he ended up parting ways with them. So I get a phone call after like turning down a bunch of gigs because uh, my voice is fucked and I didn't want to take them. He calls me up, yo my band fucking is done, Slaughter for Sanity's done, I, I'm fucking pissed. I'm like dude, how'd you like to sing for me because I can't physically sing right now and I need somebody. So I brought Tom Gilmartin in to sing for us. So that's when we went into the studio. Yeah, but, yeah. And Rich was kind of involved in that. Rich just had a kid at this point, so he was going through a lot of financial and personal things. We gave him a lot of time to try to sort it out, hoping that we could move forward and you know do the, the local band grind, which is not cheap. It's time consuming. Yeah. It, there's no money. And people with kids can't exactly do that. So. Yeah. 
Tell, to, we came tell to, me about it. I've got two of them. I understand. <laughs> so we came to an agreement. He he quit, and we performed as a four piece where we didn't have a second guitarist, right? But we had a second singer, right? I was still doing about forty percent of the vocals through this, doing backups mostly. Yeah. So um, at that point, we we recorded everything, and this guy Anthony, I'm gonna call him first. This is 2010. <laughs> this is 2010. Yeah. 2010, this guy Anthony, he's a friend of ours. He, he started learning all our songs. He's like, dude, check this out. He starts playing, I don't remember. He Metal, coming to Metal all Never shows. Sleeps. He's playing all this stuff from Death Wish. We're like, dude, yeah. right on, man. Like, shit, we do need a second guitarist. It would make it sound fuller. We actually held auditions and had a number of guys come through. Guys who moved on to other bands, yeah. we still see on the scene. It's pretty cool, but um, was that backstage? Yeah, you know, we held we had a nice open audition. <laughs> I was actually pretty happy to see how many people like showed up. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That was good. But we went with this guy Mace. Well, Anthony, as he was known back then. We I had too many friends named Anthony, so he was in need of a nickname. And uh, there's the Mace story, which I'm not gonna get into it too deep right now. He should really tell the story, but he hit himself in the face with a fucking medieval weapon, knocked out two teeth, got a bunch of stitches, cracked his, his jaw, jaw open. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was bad. It was bad. Yeah, it was really bad. Um, if you yeah, buy Death like, Wish. That was like 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> his girlfriend then made him go to the hospital, so she took him to the hospital. Dude, who are these guys? And on the ride to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> on the ride to the hospital, he gave us a call, and the first things out of the first thing out of his mouth was, "Hey, I just wanted to know if I was in the band. Am I in the band?" So we we, we kind of gave her, you know, we looked like, around at each other for a minute, and we were like, eh, like "Yeah, a, you're in." Like, I, I was like, "I don't know, Anthony." So like, at that point, you didn't learn all the songs. <laughs> like, like, oh, but like, all right, like we kind of before that even happened, we were like, "Yeah, he's in the band," but we didn't say it. Yeah, and we just finished recording an album, and it was going to cost too much money to bring him in to redo Death Wish. So like, there's four tracks of Ben. At times, six or eight tracks have been on Death Wish. <laughs> but the band picture, Mace is on there. Okay. And when you open the CD and you take the CD out, behind the CD you'll see a three-ball flail with blood splattered all over the pavement. That is the real picture of the aftermath of what happened when Mace took the Mace to the face. Mace to the face! <laughs> so yeah, like so, shortly after you, that, we just called him Mace. And if you look carefully enough in that picture, you'll actually see a tooth <laughs> sitting yeah. on the floor covered in blood. My ex-girlfriend found <laughs> a tooth. We put it under his bed. No, Ben put ben, it under his bed. Ben put it under his bed. You know, well, I mean, the tooth fairy showed up some. <laughs> you never know. Oh, man. So once we got Mace in the band, um... That's we played we really for a little, yeah, we forward. wanted to, we, we had visions, we wanted to do a lot of things, we started doing a lot of things. We started doing a lot of things. I mean, playing a lot of shows. 2011, we played the Summer Slaughter Festival with Black Dahlia Murder and, oh my god, there's so, as Blood Runs Black. Yeah, it was, it was gonna ask, how it, did that come it about? Was, it was insane. Oh, we were just, I, I was in touch with Starland Ballroom through my old band, Slaughter for Sanity, so I've had the connection, I've, I've had a nice repertoire with them, and... They uh, they put us up, they put us up before that actually. They put us up at Forty Below Summer and God forbid, that was the first time we played Starland. And right, which I was gonna I was that telling you been, we we probably met at that. That show. was I was gonna tell you I was telling you earlier I have a ticket stub for that show Forty Below Summer God forbid October second two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. Okay. It was the day before my birthday. 
And I must have bought and I, I like I said, I wasn't aware of you guys until 2012. I guess it didn't really we it didn't whores, really click dude. in my we head then, but everywhere. someone must have sold me a ticket in the parking lot because you know you I only get that. the local band's name on the ticket if you bought it. If you from bought them. it from them, their stash. Right. I mean, <laughs> we were still are. I mean, we all have day jobs and lives, but like I try to what I call guerrilla marketing. It works way better than any Facebook campaign you run. Yeah. Like you go out there to the people. In my opinion, you do you get more productivity printing out a stack of flyers with your band's name and maybe a, a couple of internet links, maybe a song, and giving them out at a show than you do anything on Facebook. Right. I mean, Facebook events are basically a joke. People stop paying attention to that stuff. It's so flooded. And in order to get any attention, you gotta pay money. You know, you look at all our social medias, Instagram's really where it's at. You know, we get plenty of attention on Instagram. Facebook, we used to get plenty of attention, but unless I spend money on it, pretty much buried in everyone's posts. Yeah, that's how, that's how I, uh, any of those contests that I run. Like, I just ran a contest to give away an extra copy of uh, Seize Awake, Death of the Marrow that nice. I had. And, uh, and I had to pay <coughs> to make sure that the, the reach got out Otherwise, there. nobody sees it. And, like, you, you can look the, in, you can look at the insights. They provide that information yeah. for you, and they'll give you, oh, paid reach. Yep. Organic reach. It's like, oh. You know, I remember a day when if a couple thousand people liked your band's page, a couple thousand people would see your band's post. Right. And it's a shame that social media has gone that way. Like, we we started with MySpace, yeah. went through Facebook. We have our .com, Thanatotic, T-O-T-I-C, <laughs> uh, ThanatoticDesire.com, which has all the information you can ask for. I'm actually, upon a lot of people's requests, I am building our band camp at this moment. Okay. Which we never really had. I, I bought the name, or not bought the name, but registered the name. It's just been blank. Right. Yeah. The 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 um the website is where I got a lot of the information when I when oh, I good. featured you guys on the Daily Discovery when I was doing all Mayhem bands. Yeah, and I, I remember got you reaching to, out for that. that right. Cool. Yeah. I a lot of the information was was pulled from that website. I try to put. You know, we have like your short biography. We got our life story up there too. I don't know. if... I, it's been a while. I don't know if the Mace story's on there. <laughs> Mace story's good for interviews. It's much better yeah. when he's there because yeah, he's yeah. got, you know, if you've ever seen us live, you can tell our guitar players have insane energy. Yeah, yeah. They are just, uh, you know, a lot of people comment on our, our stage performance, so I, I got to attribute that to Mace. But, you know, let's go back to the, still getting back on track to answering the question. Yeah. <laughs> so 2010, we were playing 40 Below. 2011, actually, I think 2010, we also played with Guar. At Starland for the first time, also, and that opened ourselves to a whole new fan base. Yeah. And then in 2011, we did the Summer Slaughter, and it was at that time. Was it was 2011, 2012. It was 2011 where, where Tom had his first son, and we all started. You know, immediately we started thinking about Rich. Like, well, when Rich had his kid, he wasn't able to do these. Hey guys, let's drive to Ohio this weekend. How much are you getting paid? Well, not much, but uh, I'm really good friends with these two bands putting on a show. Right. So you take these risks. Every local band has done that. That's part of the evolution of being a band. You take a lot of risks. Right. Entrepreneurship. Taking the risk for just a chance. But when you have things at stake like family, you can't risk that stuff. Right, right. Dave, myself, Ben, and Mace... We all pretty have, pretty much have a, a similar living situation. You know, we can disappear for a month at a time, and 
it'd be okay. We don't have anyone depending on us. Right, right. And it's worked for a long time. So it, it came to a point where Tom had to step down. Right. And I guess doing backups for him for those years that he was with us, I got my voice back. I got it back, and uh, we thought about getting another singer. And I just kind of filled the place just until something happened. And uh, I guess uh, it, it's just worked, you know. Yeah. Another person is another person to rely on for practice, yeah. rehearsal, shows. It's just like, let's just go back to my voice. And uh, we, we've we been working with Mace on backups. And we've been a four-piece since uh, 2012. Okay. So that's that's that brings us... When, when we got that lineup, we felt this was the time to move forward and do everything we can to get heard. Right, so. and then in 12... 2012, you guys played the Mayhem. 2012, yeah. Was, we, yeah, yeah, we played the Battle yeah, of the Bands. We won. There was a two-day contest. One band won one day. Another band won the other day. Yes, and I found the first in, band was Thanatotic Desire, and the second band was Seas of Wake, as I as I found Wake. in the episode I recorded just earlier tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's actually when we met them, and I started hearing about their legacy and how they've been doing their thing. It's like, wow, this is pretty cool. So we go back with them. Till 2012, and it's only kind of fitting that we're part of their farewell show. You know, they yeah. they are a staple in the scene, and they've done a lot of work. Yeah, and they work really hard, and they put out some good music. So, but I, you know, so many bands are calling it quits. So many bands. Yeah, it's a damn shame, but I totally understand. Yeah, there was a, that came up in my in my. Uh interview with uh, with Charlie Corletta yeah. a couple weeks ago so you know uh, Julius Caesar's not really around anymore Beyond Visible's not really around anymore no, Julius Caesar unfortunately I, I still I do a podcast with uh, their guitarist Steve also known as Darth Hader uh, yeah yeah um, yeah w- right now it's been a monthly podcast we're looking to do more we, we got all sorts of nerd stuff we basically talk about Batman for an hour <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely have to check that out then. We always try to, it's like Batman or Star Wars, and we always end up gravitating to one or the other, but uh, I've actually heard a lot of the unreleased Julius Seizure, and it's amazing. Yeah, Charlie was telling it's me the amazing. same thing, man. It's, it's just, you know what, everybody's got lies. I know, you know, their uh, base is Brian, he's a good friend of mine, he's got kids, so, you know, he needs to choose his time wisely. I totally understand it. That's just how it is. It's yeah. the evolution of bands and musicians, and, uh... Yeah, we're just glad to be part of it with everybody else. You know, we've met tons and tons of friends over the years. Yeah. It's awesome. So we were mentioning the the, you know, the the extensive biography information on your uh, website. Yeah. Um, one of the things that was mentioned on the website was you guys were going to be taking some time off in 2015 to try and acquire uh, management and maybe a record deal. How did that go for you? Well, not too good. <laughs> uh, that was basically the slump in 2012 2013 we put out silence to violence that had a song final breath right final breath is played all over the country like we didn't expect the hype that we got from it i mean merch sales on my store went fucking they skyrocketed definitely didn't expect the exposure we got from it i mean it got to literally everybody i've been in conversations with personally with Brian Slagle from Metal Blade Records who knew of us through Sirius XM Radio. He knew our song, he knew the CD, he knew who we were. I was like, well, what, what do I gotta do to uh, be on your roster? I mean, you literally are the creator of almost everything I love. What do I gotta do to work with you? He goes, well, first off, you released this on your own. 
you release it on your own, I can't sell it. I can't make money off you. There's nothing I can do. Hit me up when you got something on your own. So I started taking that mentality of, all right, we got this out, a new album. We can't release this until I try to get in touch with every single professional person I know in the industry. And I reached high and low. And, you know, I got great feedback from people who, you know, when we, uh, 2011, we put Death Wish out. I, I tried shopping the album to many labels, Century Media, Roadrunner, Metal Blade, I mean, just Earache. I can keep going. I just, you know, we're upstairs at a club afterwards and I don't have my notebook. But <laughs> they, in Death Wish, I got no response from anybody. When Silence of Violence came out, people heard of us. You know, Final Breath's a solid song. It's a great single. It holds up. It's it's still, a, you know, a foundation in metal as far as I'm concerned. I might be a little biased. <laughs> but um, we had this album. I tried everything I could, and I started getting responses from people I never did. I got feedback like, you guys are great. I like you, but I don't love you. Keep up the good work. We can't, we're not in the position to take a risk on signing new bands at this moment. But, you know, we got a lot of positive feedback. One label, uh, yeah, fuck it, whatever. Metal Blade Records <laughs> compared us to Battlecross, who is on their roster. Right. And we played plenty of shows with Battlecross. We've done a little regional stuff with them. We played, you know, Delaware, Reading, Pennsylvania, Dingbat. Yeah. I mean, we, we did a few shows with those guys. They're awesome. And I got to meet their manager through Jose. I got to meet Velda. And she's always giving me guidance and suggestions and stuff whenever I need peer review for any things I'm trying to do. I always run it by her. She's got a lot of knowledge, and she's done so much with the bands that she works with. But she's located in Detroit. Mm -hmm. Or Flynn, really, but, you know... Um, it's still not Jersey. <laughs> it's not Jersey, you know? I'm like, oh, we're always talking about relocating, because when we traveled with Whiplash, we noticed things like, you know, the West Coast is a different world. Yeah. They love what we do. We play a lot of hardcore shows in Philly, and... Uh, what are these guys doing with their guitar solos? Where's the breakdown? Sorry, you know, we're, I don't know, I guess the media calls us melodic thrash, death, whatever. <laughs> we're metal. We have guitar solos. Headbang. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I got a lot of negative, not negative, positive feedback, but basically declined at every opportunity. So I said, you know what? I took, we took a lot of time. And, you know, a lot of time trying to market that stuff took away from live performances, recording, writing new music. So there was a couple of years of, from Silence of Violence to now where mm, not much happened. Right. We toured. We've we've, we've gone international. You know. Yeah, and but we we spent about we spent about two years back and forth into the studio and recording a new album. Yeah. We have pretty much all the songs put oh, together. Oh, this album's ready. This album's ready. We just, to drop. we just haven't released it yet. Uh, so we do have new music ready to go. Uh, it's just we're looking. We we're just trying to figure out the best way to to make it happen in our benefit. Right. Which I think because everybody said no, I think the best thing is uh, the label that I decided to start, Doc Watch Hollow Entertainment. Which yeah. which well, it's got to be on your list. It also. is. It is. I was so going to yeah, say, tell me a bit about when that. everybody <laughs> says no, I say, well, it's coming out anyway. And I'd like to put a name on all the hard work that I do for, you know, CD layouts, manufacturing. You know, there's a lot that goes into that that's not touching a bass guitar or singing any notes. Right. So, um, you know, Doc Watch Hollow Entertainment can go as far back as my high school band, right? You know, burning CDs, wrapping them in paper. 
when Thanatonic Desire first started putting out the DDD EP. We got a burner tower just to make them. What was that, Dave? Say a little louder. We, we went. We went and got a burning tower to just produce, like mass produce CDs. What was it like seven or eight drives? Yeah. Oh wow. Seven or eight drives. CD seven, tower. Seven CDs out. You put a master in on top, bunch of blanks. We just hang out, work on his cars, work on his motorcycle, hang out. Seven CDs ready, and we put them in black sleeves. And I used to print out labels, you know, so we'd have it on, and we just. We put a lot of work into that stuff, and we just gave them out for exposure. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I've heard a lot of people say things like, oh, I, I have this CD, it's eight years old, but it doesn't work anymore. Because I guess, you know, we were, were poor, so yeah. we were, we're going for budget CDRs, too. Yeah. Which, you know, I guess they don't hold up to the stand of time, which uh, prompted me, and see, Doc Watch Hollow Entertainment isn't just myself. It's also a vision of my friend Will Rosen who was a friend I grew up with, who's friends with our founding member, Rich Guadagno, the old guitarist. Right. We all kind of came up together in Warren, New Jersey, where there's a road called Doc Watch Hollow. Ah. That's all it means. That's all it means. So we decided to name it after that, and he was saying, hey, you should re-release your first CD. Why the hell am I going to do that? I hate going backwards. These guys will tell you. Anytime they want to play something <laughs> the first CD, I fight it. <laughs> no, we can't be going backwards. We gotta go forwards. Well, people still like this stuff. Yeah, you're right. So we decided that a lot of people are kind of requesting it, so we re-released the DDD EP, which is only recently for sale again. Right. And I think I'm selling it for three bucks. Yeah. Three yeah. bucks. Three dollars. Three dollars for our very amateur CD from 2009. <laughs> six songs. Six songs. Five? Five or six songs. I don't remember. <laughs> all right. It's all right. But uh, well, so you still you still found opportunity though. You guys played in Japan. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we did. <laughs> I mean, something about being the more you like start pursuing label interests, you start going. Well, why do you need a label? Well, every band on a label gets on huge tours, gets huge support, gets huge press coverage. There's a lot of resources at hand that labels have that most local or regional bands just don't have. Um, I, I became good friends with the uh, program director at Sirius XM, Jose Mangan, who introduced me to a lot of people. And I'm the kind of person, when I meet people, I try to make a connection. You know, hey, you know, I'm Will. I play in this band, Thanatotic Desire. I'm trying to be heard. Who are you? And I, I mean, I met a lot of people, and they give me a lot of guidance. So we were still able to, to do things, you know. And I started looking at the label thing is, you know, the last band, let me see if I recall correctly. I remember, I, I don't want to drop names, but I remember seeing a very large metal label sign a new band. And the first thing you see them doing is the GoFundMe or Kickstarter to raise 10 grand so they can go on tour. And I look at that and I'm like, you know what? If this was 1995, you get signed to a label, you get a sign-on bonus, you get dropped on a tour. With that bonus, you can afford your merchandise, your tour rig, stuff to travel. Right. You know, and uh, like we we got to, we're very self-dependent. When we make money from our merchandise, we reinvest it into our recordings. Or what we ended up doing was buying a van. So Thanatonic Desire owns a van that we didn't utilize until 2012, 2013. So you want to talk about the opportunities? One of the first opportunities, I mean, I got, I got a cousin. He's up in a band in Connecticut called Head Wrench, my cousin Scott. 
All right, there's an opportunity. Let's let's go to Connecticut. What do we got to lose? They're not. They'll give us gas money. We get to play to a whole different crowd. So we started doing that. Got a little buzz. Some people in Massachusetts heard about it. Hey, I, I run this place called Silk City. I want you to come up here. All right, how can I do? I don't want to just go up to Massachusetts. So I hit up my cousin again. We book a gig in Connecticut. We book a gig in Massachusetts. I got family in Vermont. And we also got a friend in New Hampshire who's got a spot. So we kind of laid up long weekends. Boom, boom, boom. We got a place to crash. We got, you know, a warm place to sleep. We get food in our stomach. Get to play a bunch of shows. Come home, go to work. <laughs> you know, so we're kind of taking like a workman's, a working man's approach to touring. Yeah. But we'll take our time when we need to. And uh, that happened. We, we, uh, the first tour I booked, I, I booked us across the Northeast, all through New England, went up to Montreal, through Toronto, came back through Michigan, Ohio, Pittsburgh, and back home. You know, we were out for a couple weeks. Okay. It was a lot of fun, you know, but like, I also blew my voice for the first time on that tour <laughs> in the middle of Canada, just staying up with the boys and drinking with the boys and not taking care of my voice. So I learned a lot myself that tour, like, hey, you don't take care of your voice as a singer, you're gonna have some problems. Yeah. So I pull these diva moves and go to bed at 10 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> they all make fun of me, but hey, I can sing consecutively. So that was one of the first, it wasn't so much of an opportunity as much as just coincidental connections that kind of lined up and it's like, all right, let's make this happen. So we made a nice run and we were gone for a couple weeks. We came home and uh, we played a gig at Dingbats and Tony Portaro from uh, 80s legend Whiplash they, uh, they saw us, and they loved us. And ever since then, he was a, he's a very good friend of ours. And he took us out to the West Coast. He's like, hey guys, I got like four gigs in California, three gigs in California. Yeah. If you guys can get there, I'm gonna put you on the package. We're gonna be playing the Whiskey Go-Go, we're gonna play the Observatory, we're gonna play the Oakland, uh, was it the Oakland Metro, Oakland Theater? Yeah. Wow. And it's like, oh shit, guys, we gotta get to California. <laughs> so that's when we bought the van. And it's like, oh, how can we book ourselves down there? Like, a lot of stuff on last minute kind of fell through, but we did a couple private shows in Texas. We booked a show in Juarez, Mexico. Oh, wow. So this is making our second international gig. Uh, promoter got in touch with us. I ran the promoter's name by some friends I had in California. Everything vouched out. Everything was, was clear. He wasn't going to kidnap us and rape us and murder us and sell our organs on the, you know, the Mexican black market. <laughs> Which, y'all, let me tell you. When you tell people you're going to Juarez, Mexico, yeah. you start getting a lot of people who listen to the media too much. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people, friends... Not even though, man, because when we were down there, we were talking to this, a lot of these people, and they're like, yeah, it definitely happened. It does. But, it does. But, you know, they, they also said that at the time that we were getting there... Um, it, things had started to, started to actually turn around and get a little bit better, and the people were starting to take back. Yeah, but like five years ago, back the city from what stuff. I understand, the Americans gave guns to all the cartels so they can like figure shit out, and um, didn't go so well. <laughs> so Mexico is not a good place to go to, especially right over the border there from yeah. El Paso to Juarez. Yeah. But um, I'm gonna tell you right now, when we played that show, that is possibly one of, though definitely one of the most grateful crowds and grateful group of human beings who've ever heard our music that I've ever yeah. came across. These guys were so heartfelt with what they had to say and just so grateful that we would show up to perform for them. Yeah. I, I felt like I was in an Iron Maiden DVD playing in Brazil. <laughs> like it was literally that kind of yeah. gratitude. 
Everybody, you don't get that local as a local band. Yeah, everybody was coming up to us after the show and like giving us hugs and everything. We weren't even on off stage. And, and like, this is this is in Mexico. This yeah, is in, in Juarez. Mexico in Juarez, and they were like telling us our their stories and all this other stuff about horrible life stories on. about families crazy. crossing. Like it's but it's these, they were crazy. they were such grateful. Can I take one of these? I don't know who those. It's a water. Are. Yeah. <laughs> David Zeck says yes. All right. He's on, <laughs> he's, he's on record. He's on record. Um, but yeah, those are some of the most grateful people, man. A lot of them like were in tears telling us like their life stories and all this other stuff that was going on. And even though it was right over was, the border. It was amazing. I, I will say that. Even you though it was I mean? right it's, over the border. You look at a map. You look at El Paso to Juarez. It's a mile. No distance, basically. They're twin cities. But it was a different country, hands yeah. down. And like, totally different like Dave said, man, people had tears in their eyes telling us their life stories. Yeah. And... You know, we were all, I'm still in touch with the promoter who put on that. And the whole thing, he wanted yeah. to put us on like four dates, but we can only afford the one day. Not afford it, but we only had time for the one day. Yeah. They, they took care of us on everything. It was one of the best things we ever booked. So I would love to repeat that again and, and do a little more extensive touring in that area. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, you know what, like, I, I've looked at heavy metal as such a local thing. You get stuck in this local rut. This is a very big world. And with things like the internet, you can get into a lot of people's ears. So, heavy metal is just not popular. It's not top US. stuff in the United States. But when we dropped down to Mexico, it was a different world. Yeah. Even, Canada. Even Montreal. Even, even Canada. Even I mean, they there. lived it. They breathed it. We played right on Rue St. Catherine. That's, that's the red light district. I mean, people talk of tons of stories about that area. We played at the Piranha Bar. It was amazing. <laughs> Fun stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. We, we hooked up with our friends uh, Skies Beneath. Who met Mace through some internet? I think chat roulette. Yeah, I believe that's what yeah, happened. Yeah, Mace is on chat roulette. Met some guy playing guitar. They started talking. He's in a metal band. We're in a metal band. Next thing I know, I'm going to fucking Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, man, you never know. You make connections anywhere and everywhere. You know, you never know who's going to give you what opportunities or what you can do for somebody else. And no one opportunity is going to do anything major. You have to take all of them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you have to. You have to absolutely. build it. So you played this, you played, you, when you came out of Mexico, so, you went to the California show yeah, that's, with that's Whiplash. Yeah, we ended up, yeah. Yep. We ended up towards California. The first show was in San, Santa Ana, yeah. California at Santa the Observatory Ana. where Jose Mangan does his metal nights now. Nice. And if you recall back in the day here on the East Coast, he, he was doing him at Dingbats. Yeah. Yep. I yep. keep seeing his, his, his um, posts. And oh. I posted the other day, I was like, dude, you're really making me want to. Move closer to you. Mm-hmm. Every time, I, last I saw yeah, him, yeah. I saw him at the Revolver Music Awards out here. Did and, I see uh, you there? Because I was I, there. Yep, yep okay. I saw you there. And uh, he's just telling me all this awesome stuff. I'm like, yeah, I really got to come out there. He's like, let me know, dude. I'll put you up. We'll hang out. Put you in the studio. Da da da. It's like, oh. dude, he is the most gracious. Dude, he did that for me before, right before he moved. He is such a nice guy. It's like, right before he moved, I ran into him at the Wellmont Theater. Uh, he was there. Uh, Hell yeah, was playing with Godsmack, and so he was there to see Hell yeah, and he was playing. You know, he was playing. He'd already announced that he was moving, and I was like, "Dude, we got to do something before you leave." And he's like, "Oh, come to the studio." And I thought I was just going to just hang in the studio, and that was, was enough. Was that serious? Yeah. Or was, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. he's like, yeah. he's like, come hang at the, the serious, serious so studios cool. in, in New York, and I thought that was all it was going to be was to <coughs> fucking hang out. He, he brings that. me brings me into his office. He gives me all these fucking CDs and posters. Did, you, did and, you have the Jaeger machine? 
Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. We did, we did do shots of Jaeger, and we also drank some beer, but he put me on air. So you want to go on air? I was like, do I want to what? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah dude. Yes, of course I do. He loves it. Oh, man, he was, he's the most metal human being I know. And so he put me on, he put me on, we were on for, I think it was about seven minutes, because he had, uh, Sean, Sean emailed him the clip, and then he emailed it to me. I still have it. Sean the Butcher? Sean the Butcher, oh, yeah. Oh, man. And uh, cool, dude. so yeah, so we went on the air, and and he gave me a bunch of free shit, and it was it was more than I could have hoped for, man. Dude, I was just he's the best host in the world, man. I've been to yeah. a couple of his parties. He's just he gives, gives, gives. He's the nicest person yeah. in the world, and he's so blessed to have what he has. He's such a hard worker. He's worked literally tooth and nail to be where he is. Yeah, I, I uh, my I, man Jose. I told him, I told him when I was there, and and I and I continue to repeat it to to anybody that'll listen. Like, that's what I want to do. Like, not to not to not to say that I want to be somebody else, but I what he does He's is got what a I dream job, do. man. He's got a dream job. Yep. You know. Yep. This is why. That's why I started this. You know. Hell yeah. <laughs> No, and thanks again for having us part of this. Yeah, you know, I saw when you did Charlie, I was like, man, that's really cool. And you've already talked to me about this. Yeah. So I saw it in action. I was like, all right, yeah. It's got to happen sooner or later. <laughs> yeah. So glad so, this all works out. Yeah, man. So you guys played in California with Whiplash. Is that how you guys got eventually to Japan? Um, well, Whiplash. Our, our friendship with, with Whiplash basically is what got us to Japan. Yeah. So what, what, what happened with that was it was out in Osaka, Japan. Uh, it's called uh, the True Thrash Fest, and uh, basically Whiplash was already signed on to this show, and Venom was also signed on Venom to this Inc. show. Venom, Venom Inc. Venom Inc. So basically what happened was a week and a half before the show, Venom Inc. dropped off. So they Japan put the call out to all these different bands that were playing the show to... Send yeah. them bands that could possibly do this, possibly make they this asked, happen. Yeah, they asked Whiplash, hey, can you bring a support act? We yeah. need to know. They also asked Frank Blackfire from Sodom, can you bring a support act? They're German. Can you bring one? We'll let you know. Um, I got a call at like 3 in the morning on a Saturday night, Sunday morning from Tony. Now, I figured he might have been... I know Ben went out that night to kind of see Whiplash, so I thought maybe Ben and Tony were hanging out drinking late and they wanted to fuck with me. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I get a call from Tony Whiplash. I'm like, oh, hey, how you doing, man? I'm, I'm asleep, dude. I, I go to sleep early. <laughs> and he's, uh, he's like, hey, I need to know, can you go to Japan on Wednesday? Can Thanatonic Desire go to Japan on Wednesday? I need to know right now. I'm talking to Japan. I'm like, wait, huh, what? Took me like 15 minutes to kind of wake up to be like, oh, to understand what oh, is going on. <laughs> holy shit! All right, well, what do we gotta do? Oh no, they'll pay for everything. You'll be all right. They'll get you a hotel. Um, hold on, Tony. I can't. It is three in the morning. I can't speak for my band at this hour. Can you give me 12 hours? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I need. I go no later. I need to know. All right. It's a soft yes, because I'm pretty sure when I pitch this, everyone's going to drop everything and go. All right. I get a call later. Hey, Will, um, I'm pretty sure the German band is going to take the offer. So, you know, thank you for, for, for doing, for being able to do this. But, you know, maybe next time. I was like, fuck. Damn, that would have been cool. So, all right, Tony, yo, thanks for the opportunity. You know, hey, it's not me. It's, it's the True Thrash Festival. You know, they're, they're putting this on. To, all right, all right, all right, cool. Ten... A.M. Monday, my phone goes off, 
Will, the German guys can't go. We need Thanatonic Desire to go. We're leaving Wednesday. Let me know what's going on. Whoa. <laughs> My head spun so much. I didn't even... It's, it's unreal. Yeah. It's unreal, so... I work, I work for Mazda at a dealership. I'm, I'm one of the lead techs over there. So he, call, he sends me a text... <laughs> At about 11 o'clock. Now, I get into work at about 9 o'clock, and I told my boss, I said, listen, I'm just letting you know now, there's a slight possibility that I might be going to Japan, like, real soon. <laughs> He's like, when? I'm like, I don't know. Wednesday? In a week? Maybe? I don't know. So he's like, "All right, that's insane." I that is insane. What no, on paper? I, that is insane. Nobody totally, does. Totally this. didn't believe it. So 11 o'clock, I get a text from Will. I, I we're going to Japan. Holy shit! <laughs> I tell my boss, "Hey, I'm going to Japan." He's like, "When are you leaving?" Wednesday <laughs> morning. He's like, "You're gonna be here on on, mon- on Wednesday?" No. I said, "No, I'm leaving in the morning on Wednesday." He's like, "What the hell?" Oh my god. So he got all pissed off. He's like, you know, I'm I'm just letting you know I don't condone this. Like you're not you're not allowed to go. Dave's I said, like, I I said don't care. you know what? I'm going, so whatever happens, happens. <laughs> now I've been in Mazda Tech for seventeen years. Yeah, um, they're not gonna let Dave go. <laughs> I work in a machine I shop, I had a similar scenario. Monday morning, I was like, man. You know, you get you get the opportunity to go to Japan, you don't say no. Right. Yeah. You get the opportunity to do anything big like that, whether it's Japan or not. You don't say no. Yeah. No, and uh, we had the opportunity. We went. <laughs> we had to pull some strength because uh, when we went to Mexico and Canada, you uh, you can get this thing called a passport card, which like allows you to go. It allows you to drive to continental North America. Okay. So you could drive to Canada. You could drive to Mexico. You can't fly. Right. With this, it's a card. It's like a license on steroids. Um. Yeah. But you can't fly out of country. You can't go to Europe. You can't go to Asia. You need a real passport for that. Yeah. So Ben and Mason already gone on a on a vacation and had his real passport. Ben, on the other hand, did not have it, and uh, we had to panic last minute to yeah. get his passport. And there was a slight chance we'd have a temporary guitar player with us for that. And it was actually my buddy Nick from Lethal Affection. Okay. At the time, it's like, well, who the hell can drop everything and go? And uh, Nick came in. He learned all our songs. It was awesome. We had a backup. And it was like, he so. came with us to all the meetings. It's like a big lots of maybes Monday, Tuesday. And then like Wednesday, it was like, no, Ben can make it. All right, we got Thanatonic Desire. It's nice. on. Yep, yep. So we went. Yeah. It was a great time, man. And uh, again, those people over there, they were very appreciative. Extremely, of just being like there Mexico. And, and, I know, mean, it was it's different. Good. It's a good time. It's it's a total culture shock when you when you hit oh my God. international, you know. You're in a yeah. different world. And, uh, but it's it's definitely a good time. We had a good time with it. And if we ever great get opportunities to do that again, we're absolutely yeah. oh, going to take it. It was a great performance. I mean, the thing about merchandise is interesting over there. They won't purchase stuff from a band online. They would. They knew who we were. Huh. It was unreal. They knew what Thanatotic Desire was because this is just after talking to so many people, I find out why. All right. Thanatotic oh, Desire. <laughs> yeah, you forgot about it. Thanatotic <laughs> Desire was on a lot of bills with... Um, with fucking with Whiplash, Blood Feast, Hobbs, Angel of Death. You know, we played this big Ar- Rage of Armageddon festival in Brooklyn. So there was this flyer going around, and a couple of those bands have already done the True Thrash festival. So they're seeing these flyers, and as true music fans, these guys in Japan are looking at. It, they're like, "Wow, there's ten bands on this bill. I love these two. They check them all out. That's awesome. And they love them. So. The, the, the first thing that blew my fucking mind 
and I wish Mix was here to help tell the story, but we get off the plane, we get to this hotel, I'm so tired, they're... Ben and Mace are drunk from the airplane oh, they whiskey. Went <laughs> they yeah, they went out partying, but I, I just needed a Red Bull to kind of like relax. I'm I'm physically addicted to Red Bull. It's a problem. Okay. But um, <laughs> that's regardless. Me and Mace go to the corner store. Basically, it's a convenience store on the corner, and the the clerk is probably like 20, and he looks at us. He goes, "Oh, metal never sleeps." I almost shit myself right then and there. <laughs> I am literally across the fucking globe, and there's this kid who just looks at me and just chants my, my one of our songs' names. I was just unbelievable. And he looks at me and he's like, "Oh, singer, bass player." Looks at Mace, guitar, yeah. <laughs> well, we didn't know what the we didn't know what to do. He was like, "Yeah, we're all, every, everybody's looking forward to this festival that was going on." So. He just happened to work there and just happened to know us. It was just like that. And it was wow. the, that was culture shock one right off the plane in the hotel. And we knew right then and there it was going to be a great time. Yeah, I I remember the the, the sort of last minuteness of of it all again because because remember <laughs> you, guys, very you guys had a show booked at Dingbats that you had to cancel in order oh, to go to Japan. Oh yeah. yeah, we uh, actually yeah. it was somewhat of a comeback show. Yeah, because this was right after that period where we were shopping to the labels and looking for management and had a lot of low period. Right. So it's like, all right, this will be great. We had a we had a show at Dingbats with a bunch of friends and it was supposed to be a comeback. And well, I called Donna that night. Like, I, I, we've had a great repertoire with that club for for years. In in I've played there in four different bands. <laughs> so I called Donna and I was like, Donna, hear me out. And I told her the scenario, and she's like, well, oh my god, Will, you gotta go to Japan. <laughs> don't worry about us here, we'll figure it out, don't worry, I don't care, you have to go, don't... You know, they're friends with Whiplash too, they understood it, so yeah. I felt that, that was like the... Downtown Desire's been around for ten years, we've cancelled two gigs, that was the second. <laughs> the first, because we had freaking ride issues going down to Trenton, it was awful. Mm. But, there was a blizzard, and our a van blizzard. was screwed, it was a, it was a wreck. So how you mentioned Jose? How how did you first meet Jose? And and you know I mean he obviously he still plays you guys. He plays you guys on on the oh, air yeah. still now. Oh, I still yeah. hear you guys like on occasion on oh, yeah. on Liquid Metal. Like how did you meet him? And how did he that started sort hosting of those uh, those shows other on shows Thursday at nights, Dingbats, and he just took a liking to us. He liked the old school approach. He liked the modern screaming. Started hanging out with him, smoking some weed, and next thing <laughs> you know, I'm getting invited to his. His daughter's birthday parties and stuff, and oh, you know, wow. I mean, it. Him and Melissa are just such great hosts, and they have. They, they, I don't know. I grew up with a lot of rich people, and a lot of the rich people I knew are snotty pieces of shit who feel like they're so much better than people. Yeah. I don't like that. We're all human. We're all gonna die the same. Him and his wife—they're just so generous and just so nice, and you know, they will give back so much. I mean, even at shows, I'll see him the way he gives stuff to fans and stuff the way he treats his fans is unbelievable and dude it's something I, I look something i feel that i've almost changed my attitude because of him he every time i see him he wants to buy me a beer i was like i gotta buy you a beer back at some point he's like no, oh, i'm yeah. good dude exactly I'm good. I'm good i got you what do you need modelo i got you <laughs> That's, yeah it's that awesome, pretty much man. it <laughs> he's a great good, man definitely a good guy so um you had mentioned uh slaughter for sanity and you just posted a video Yesterday. Oh my god, you are good. 
Yeah, you, you are real good. You just posted that video yesterday of when yeah. you guys played at CBGB's. Yeah, so dude. I, until you posted that, I was not familiar with that band. So oh, tell me a bit shit. about that band. Slaughter for Sanity. Oh, man. Let me tell you about Slaughter for Sanity. Uh, to really tell you Slaughter for Sanity, I'm going to have to go back to high school. Um, Jesus Christ, I'm 32. Uh, in, high, in high school, I had this band called Shrapnel. It was myself, my friend Caleb Ellison on drums, and my friend Lou Freaky on guitar. It was a three-piece. Okay. Shrapnel, you know, we played places like Hamilton Street Cafe a lot down in Boundbrook, which uh, no longer exists, but a lot of us old people remember it. <laughs> and uh, we ended up getting our friend Rich Guadagno, who was, was the beginning of Thanatotic, to be our second guitarist in this band. Changed drummer a couple times, it did a couple things. I was starting to get into a lot of power metal and just wasn't... And me and Lou were fighting a lot on the direction of where we wanted to do with bands and what we wanted to do, and uh, I quit. So I quit Shrapnel, and I did a power metal band with a couple buddies where we had this guy, well, well, it was basically me and this guitarist singing together, doing vocals and stuff. Two other guitarists, my friend Jarrett and Radic, doing just harmonizing guitar stuff. It, it was, I love power metal. I really genuinely love power metal. Like Gamma Ray, Halloween are some of my favorite bands ever. Fuck yeah. So it was like in that-esque of like, you know, Painkiller, Judas Priest stuff nice, inspired. Nice. I wish I had a recording. I don't. No, nothing. No, but songs existed, performance were made. I wish I had evidence. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I went to college for Graphic design and, and, and then auto mechanics and then music theory. I changed my major a bunch of times because I'm indecisive. And I ran into my guitarist Lou from back in Shrapnel, who was holding a stack of flyers that said Metal Bassist Wanted. Oh, there you go. So I said, Oh shit, what's this? I really wasn't in a band. I wasn't playing much. Just kind of doing my own thing. I was like, Oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> what are you doing after this? So I went to lose and I was their bassist. And I walk into, the, I got this new band. Well, when you left Shrapnel, we replaced you with bass with this guy, Nick Wishbow. And then we replaced you on vocals with this guy, Tom. But we didn't like how he screamed, so we kicked him out. <laughs> All right. Well, we got Tom in this because we want to do a different approach. So I walk into this room and I see Lou, Caleb, and this guy, Tom. So this is my high school band with a new singer, which I was really interested in. It's like, all right, I just get to lay back, play bass. Yeah. Tom's got a, a King Diamond hat, and I had a Merciful Fate shirt. We looked at each <laughs> other, we're like, oh, oh! <laughs> and we've pretty much been best friends since, which Lou didn't like. <laughs> but uh, Slaughter for Sanity played a couple shows. Yeah, we played CBGBs. We played Starland Ballroom with uh, 40 Below Summer. Played Starland Ballroom again with God Forbid. And uh, probably some I had a lot of problems with Lou and got into a fight with him and got kicked out slash quit. <laughs> and they evolved into a band, basically Slaughter for Sanity, kind of flaked out. Lou had some personal issues and he quit. So they replaced him with two new guitarists and they took the band into a different direction and kicked Tom out, which is about the time I brought Tom back into Thanatotic Desire. Right. Now Caleb and Lou started another band called Name the Creature okay. with a couple other guys. And Caleb quit. They got this guy, Matt, playing drums, who now plays for a band, Circuitry. Oh, Matt okay. Guglielmo, he's an awesome drummer. But it's just so funny how these bands all evolved and what everyone's doing now. Right, right. Caleb's still a really good friend of mine, but he doesn't play anymore. 
And uh, no one's heard from Lou since 2011. Hmm. So that was Slaughter for Sanity, The Rise and Fall. All right. They had an album called Seven Shades of Death. <laughs> That's awesome. It's brutal. It is brutal. But yeah, you, you saw the video. Yeah, we played CBGBs. There's two videos on YouTube that I put out. Hmm. I had short hair. <laughs> I had short ass hair and I'm headbanging, drinking beer underage. Good stuff. So uh, you also, until recently, uh, played bass in Lethal Affection. Yes. Um, and But you announced just a few weeks ago that you were leaving. Can you elaborate on why that well, occurred? Well, yeah. I mean, a couple of years, these guys are good friends of mine. You know, uh, Joe lives almost in the same town as me. So a couple of years ago, they had a bass player issue and, you know, their, their bassist had to quit and they had a bunch of shows scheduled and... I said, sure, I'll help you out, but I can only be in for a couple months because Thanatotic's going away and we got to, you know, I won't be here. Yeah. All right, no problem. So, you know, I was temporary and uh, from that point on, they were writing an album and kind of redeveloping themselves and I really liked the direction they were going in. And uh, I, st I support them. I love those guys. They're awesome. But when I joined, they asked me to be full time and I was like, you know what? I asked their drummer, Cam, I was like, you're in a couple bands. He's also in uh, Dropbox. He's in a ah, forget Dropbox? What? Yeah. With John Costco? I think so. Oh, I could have that name wrong because I've been drinking. But uh, no, he's also in Dead Wings, which is another band. But I think he's also in Dropbox. Huh. Dead Wings is the one I meant to say. But uh, so I look at him. I was like, hey, how do you manage being in multiple bands? He goes, ah, it's a piece of cake. I was like, all right, you know what? Let me do it. So I did it for a year. In that year, I wanted to see that, I basically wanted to join a band who was already established, has their merch, has their album, has a drive. It's kind of something like what Thanatonic Desire worked up to, yeah. and where Thanatonic Desire is, you know, somebody could walk in and the, the machine's moving. Yeah. Um, the Lethal Affection machine still needs a little work, but I, I, I have full confidence when it is in full motion, it's going to do big things. Yeah. Unfortunately, I just don't have the time to dedicate while kind of having a rejuvenated growth with Thanatotic Desire. Because yeah. it's like, all right, we've, we've talked retirement, but I don't think it's going to happen soon. Mm. And I see that as just more drive for us to keep doing what we're doing. And I'm also getting into photography. I'm, I'm actually doing short videos for, for private things. I'm getting into a lot of professional endeavors, and I just don't have the time to, to grind on the local level like uh, like Lethal Affection's doing. Right. Which, you know, they, they, they're going to put the work in, they're going to work hard, and they're going to do big things. But I just can't be a part of it at the moment. Okay. And you'd said, I think, in your post, they've got an album coming out soon? Yes. It's called Choose a Side, and it was mixed by Zeus, Chris Harris, oh, who nice. recently just did um, um, Queen Strike, Rob Zombie. I mean, dude, Zeus done so many. Yeah, I'm albums. familiar with. I'm, I'm not on that album actually. The basis before me is on it. Oh, okay. So you know, I, I was promoting. I still promote it. They're good stuff. I love those songs. It's fun. It's energetic. Good, solid rock and roll. Yeah. You know, I, I, I believe it's coming out sometime this year. Oh, well, I'll look forward to that. I because I, I've seen those guys both with and without you, and I, I, I dig them as much as you know. You know, you guys know me. I, you know. Yeah, man. No, you love music. You're I think, good I think music Charlie had said, and I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but Charlie said it. You know, I try and be one of the biggest supporters in the scene. You are. <laughs> I guess, like you said before, we've seen each other at so many shows. Yeah. It's just insane. You got to support. That's the only thing that keeps us all going. Yeah. Well, that sort of brings me to my next question, and this is this is something that I've, I've asked everyone on the show so far. Okay. Uh, 
is what is your guys' opinion on on the the way that people look at, at music, the way that the, the general populace is like, oh, well, we don't have to uh, we don't have to buy the music because you know the bands all make their shows at they may all, they all make their money at shows. You know, yeah. we'll buy a shirt at the show, we'll buy the ticket, we can steal the music, or we can fucking subscribe to uh, uh, Spotify. Like, you yeah, know, Spotify pays big. <laughs> no, no, but um, yeah. But so, what do you guys think about that? Like, is is it you know everyone else so far has kind of said. You know that's bullshit. People don't know what they're talking about. Like, is the money in shows, or or would the music industry benefit from more people actually buying the goddamn stuff? Well, if you're on a label and your CDs are selling, you are getting a very small percentage of that. Your CDs getting into the hands of every single person, though, like Slipknot, yeah. for instance. I mean, I've, I've read interviews where they were talking about how much they make off their albums, and it is not much. Yeah. But every single my grandmother knows who Slipknot is. Right. You know that is a big band. But they've said several times they don't make money off their albums. Yeah. They're making money off their merchandise. They're making money off ticket sales. They're making money off their name. Right. And that's something we've started to, you know, as we travel, and it's like, oh, well, hey guys, you might get a hundred bucks tonight. Okay, let's hope people are there and buy merch. Yeah. And, you know, it's hit or miss. I can't say every show has been great, but you know, a lot of times we walk off with a good chunk of merch money. I mean, Japan was <laughs> we're going going that. back to Japan. How I was saying how they don't buy your stuff online. They knew who we were from the the flyers, but they wouldn't buy it. I can ship anywhere in the world. Our store's set up. I've shipped to Europe plenty of times. They just waited, and they literally bought everything we had. Wow. We brought yeah. we brought all our merch, and, and it's literally that was early 2016. It wasn't until the end, like fall of 2016, for us to restock. Like just just converting money and getting in touch with the artists, getting in touch with the CD pressing, and stuff. It's like we took a hit, a great hit, yeah, a, you know, a profitable hit, but you know. That's really what makes me look at it on a, on a global level. And uh, I would like to hopefully say, of course, I'm one of four people. I would like to see Thanatotic Desire in South America and Europe as well in the next coming years. That'd be good. Yeah. So that was, I guess maybe you sort of, the, the final question here is what's, what's next? What's on the horizon? Yeah. On the horizon of Thanatotic I mean, Desire. I know you, you put out a, a new song. We put out we put out a song. We put out um, what's that song Land called? Of the Free? Land of the Free, home of our grave. It's yeah. basically a patriotic song about how I don't care. I'm not going to choose a political side because I really don't agree with either left or right. However, it doesn't matter which side you're on. You're frustrated. Everybody's fucking frustrated with the way this country's run. The division has never been more clear. And it's really just, like, I'm an American. I am a Mayflower descendant through William Brewster. You can look that up. My name is William Brewster Winton II. William Brewster came here from Scotland on the Mayflower. That's how American I am. I got a lot of American pride. However, when I was 18, I couldn't go into the Marines and fight. Why? I didn't believe in what we were doing. It didn't seem right. I just, I, I believe in the general benefit of humankind over the benefit of business and oil right so um this song basically cry out for frustration without I mean, it's a, it's as close to a political song as you'll get from us 
Because okay. I don't like political songs because you, you know, everybody's different. Right. I like music being the universal language, and that's how we've benefited from Mexico, Canada, Japan. It doesn't matter what you're singing, metal brings you together. So, um, that, that, that was the song we released. Um, as I decide, as I said before, I've started a record label. Yeah. It's not anything big, but it's basically a name on all the hard work that I do to put out the albums we've already put out. Right. And uh, I've had a couple artists actually approach me with willingness to give me a song for the Doc Watch Hollow compilation. Nice. Which I wanted to say is coming out this summer. It's a gamble right now because Thanatotic Desires with Murder in Mind is going to be coming out in September. Oh. That's the plan. I've been saying... I understand, I would love anybody to call me out because I've been saying this for <laughs> two years that With Murder in Mind is going to come out. If you go to our SoundCloud, you will find a demo of Rise from the Embers from 2015. <laughs> that was our single. That's the single we want to do a music video for and move forward with. Unfortunately, you know, I did what I thought was right by trying to shop yeah. high and low, left and right, east and west as much as I could. So here we are. We are Thanatotic Desire. We're putting out with murder in mind on Doc Watch Hollow Entertainment. All right. This year, 2017. No bullshit for real this time. It's <laughs> happening. Yeah. Because we have more shit past this we already have planned out. I'm going to have an EP after this album. Um, consuming of, consuming, consisting of a blues song. Okay. <laughs> Thanatonic Desire wrote a blues song. I'll tell you the name. It's called Breakfast with Satan. Nice. It's a hell of a song. And we got we got a guest saxophone solo, a guest harmonica solo. There's gonna be some There's piano going in there. to be a guest piano solo, a guest fiddle solo, there's a drum solo, guitar solos. I still haven't laid down the bass solo, but it will be there. Possibly even a French horn. Maybe even a French fucking horn! <laughs> and my buddy Tom from Death Wish and Slaughter for Sanity will be laying down the blues vocals for this banger. Nice. And on this CD, you're also going to see a cover song of Holy Wars. Nice. I'd like to include some more live stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it more, but that's what we're looking at. Okay. Also, since we're on a roll... The release of With Murder in Mind isn't just going to be With Murder in Mind's audio CD. It's going to come with a bonus live DVD of Thanatotic Desire at the Whiskey A Go Go. Nice. Yeah, multi camera angle DVD. We had it filmed when we played there with Whiplash. Place was sold out. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to be giving that out with the initial release of With Murder in Mind as well. I'll have to make sure to get that. So that's why we're, you know, it's like, all right, we tried to do what we can. It's time to go into business for ourselves, yeah. and that's the approach we're taking. That sounds good, man. Do you guys Thank have you. any uh, any other uh, Beyond Tonight you played already tonight? This is Awake Farewell Show. Do you guys have any other shows scheduled? Oh, we at the got moment? we got a few shows. Um, let me pull up my calendar since um, my memory ain't what it used to be. <laughs> um, in June, we're not doing anything yet. Okay. But July, July seventh, we'll be playing. St. Vitus in Brooklyn. Oh, nice. And then July 15th, we'll be playing at Dingbats with Darkest Hour and Havoc. Oh, yeah, and I saw Jesus that. Peace. Why the fuck did I ask this question when I already knew there was... <laughs> this is a big one. This is a big one. I mean, we haven't, we don't do Dingbats much anymore. It's just a matter of time for us. And we want to make sure that when we do Dingbats, it's going to be a good time. 
Yeah. Last time we played Dingbats was the, for Voodoo Terror Tribe's album release. It was an awesome show. Maybe a month ago, two was, months ago. I was very con- I gotta say, not to get off subject. Sure. But I was very confused by the whole album release concept since they had been selling that album the entire time they were on tour with El Nino. Oh, I think that 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 was the end of the tour, though. I believe it was kind of like a coming home album release. I don't know. I was I, I was confused by that because I was like, it's out already. I have it. I bought huh. it. <laughs> Let's do a Death Wish album release. <laughs> Silence of Violence came out three years ago. Let's go. <laughs> no. Um, well, shit. That's, I mean, before but that, any, we played for the Doomsday Prophecy when they did their their final show as well. Yeah, which so I, this is our second that. farewell show. I actually tonight. found. I don't remember where I found it, but I recently found a Doomsday Prophecy like demo awesome. CD that they're they had awesome. given they're me. They're all really good friends that's... of mine. Those guys kick ass. So you're playing, uh, you have anything beyond the Darkest Hour show? Um, the only thing that we got on paper uh, past the July show is um, the NYDM annual at Roxy and Dukes. And okay. um, that's going to be, oh, hold on a sec. That's going to be July, um, August 18th at Roxy and Dukes in Danella, New Jersey. Okay, I, I went there once. I yeah, saw, that's a good time. Who did I see there? I saw... I'm drawing a blank on the name of the band. I feel like an asshole. I don't know. We played there last year. It was pretty cool. I'll remember later. It was it was this singer from uh, I Empire, his other band, his new Put band. Put down a second. Um, podcast. But, uh, yeah, that was the only time I'd ever been there. Right we're, but, we're doing a podcast. I'll be right down. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's all right. We should yeah, we should get going. Dude, before, this is awesome, man. I, like, we can just keep going. <laughs> I don't know what time they go on, but I know that we don't want to miss them. Oh shit! Video call. Who's that? This is all my boys on a video call. <laughs> video call works great for an audio podcast. <laughs> all right. Yeah. No, I'm getting distracted here, Jay Bunny. I'm sorry about this. No, that's all right. So you don't have any, so you show in August and then you're hoping to put the uh, the album out, you said, in September? I'm hoping September. That's awesome, dude. September's where it's at. And then I guess you guys will have some sort of CD release show of your own? You can count on it. All right. Well, I'll have to, as long as it doesn't, <laughs> as long as it doesn't conflict with my uh, Ren Fair. <laughs> well, you better let me know when that is so I don't book it then. Well, Because well, I think I know, you won't be the only one. New, New, York, New York Renaissance Fair runs every weekend. Up in yeah, it runs every yeah. weekend of August and September and the first weekend of October. Oh, yeah, so that's all September. Yeah, and. Uh, oh, no. Uh, so basically a, every weekend in September, you're not there. Well, uh, the fair gets out at 7. Uh, I mean, it depends on where it is. I can get there afterwards. I'll probably be in my pirate garb, which I've done before. I've gone to Beyond Visible shows in my pirate garb <laughs> at Dingbats. I showed up at Dingbats. Dressed as a pirate. I've seen you there, Dingman. Yeah. So, well, that's great, man. I, cool. I, I want to I wanna thank you for being on the no, show. No, thank you very much for having us. You've been talking about it. I'm glad you can uh, Dave, arrange thank this you. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'll keep everybody informed as, uh, as stuff is going on. You know, we'll do another uh, we'll feature you guys on the What's New when the, when the right new on. album comes out. Appreciate it. All right, man. Let's go see what's going thank on with Season Week. Let's just check out the show.
All right, and from the album Silence to Violence, that was Final Breath by Thanatonic Desire. I want to thank Will and Dave for being on the show. Um, you'll, you'll notice when I when uh, you're lis- wa- listening to the episode, not watching, it's an audio podcast, when you're listening to the episode, um, you're looking at wherever it's posted, uh, the photo, I normally take a photo with whoever was on the show. Uh, didn't take the photo till the end of the night, and Dave had already left, so unfortunately Dave is missing from the photo. Uh, hopefully I can get a photo with Dave at a later time. But it was great having those guys on. Really look forward to uh, what they got going on the rest of the year. As they mentioned, the uh, show with Darkest Hour and uh, release of their next album, uh, hopefully in September, uh, from with, with Murder in Mind is going to be the name of the album. Uh, now, at one point in the interview, you'll notice that uh, Will had mentioned that Cam from Lethal Affection was in the band Dropbox, and I was a little confused by that. I questioned him about it, and then he wasn't sure. I've since looked it up, and uh, yeah, Cameron Rizell, who is in Lethal Affection, is also in Dropbox. I, I didn't know that. Um, I, I did know that Dropbox had recruited some new members, and they're working on a new album. I did not realize uh, that, that Cam from Lethal Affection was uh, their new drummer. So I'm hoping to get John Costco from Dropbox and also the band St. Kane. I'm hoping to have him on the show soon, uh, and I can ask him about uh, those lineup changes and whatnot. But uh, uh, I'm not sure when that's going to get scheduled. He's open to do it. We've talked about it. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, getting the scheduling done, figuring out when we're going to do that. So um, the uh, I don't have a next uh, show planned yet. Uh, like I've said before, the show isn't really on any kind of schedule. I want to try and get it done once a week, but um, I don't. I don't have anything booked for next week as of yet. But eh, that may change. And I do have stuff. I do have stuff uh, on the horizon. I've got a couple of interviews. I've got an interview booked for mid June. Uh, I've got some stuff probably coming up in August or September. Uh, I've got some emails out looking for guests. Just waiting for replies. So uh, big things may be coming. We'll see. Um, but in the meantime, guys, uh, you can follow us on all of our, our social media here. You can, uh, join the J Bunny's Music Hub group on Facebook or like the page. Just search J Bunny's Music Hub. You can follow at J Bunny Music Hub on Twitter. You can email us jbunnymusichub at gmail.com with any suggestions, feedback, etc. You could leave comments, uh, J Bunny Music Hub YouTube channel, um, I did post, uh, you'll notice, uh, I've mentioned before in interviews, but it, it came up in this interview with Will and Dave uh, going on there with Jose Mangan. Uh, I did post that to my YouTube channel. So look up J Bunny Music Hub on YouTube, and you'll get to hear me on air with Jose Mangan on Liquid Metal about two years ago. Uh, you know, if you got five minutes to spare. Uh, also, don't forget uh industry embers buy music or it's buy music you can follow industry embers on twitter at industry embers and and find us on facebook as well um and uh you know don't forget also that this podcast is now a part of the club kayfabe creative community so you can follow club kayfabe creative community on twitter at ckcc online you can also find us on the on the web ckcc online and the, the website is still uh work in progress so um there's not a whole lot there yet uh chris o'mealy is working on it and uh but you know keep an eye out because there's there's other great shows that are that are part of this network part of this community um so you should check it out now uh as i mentioned in the last show we're gonna start 
doing two songs an episode. So to uh, close out this episode, uh, I've got another song that Will mentioned in the interview. It's Land of the Free, Home of Our Grave. It's going to be on their new album with Murder in Mind when that comes out, I assume. But in the meantime, it's available for free download on their website. So until next time, guys, this is Stanectonic Desire with Land of the Free, Home of Our Grave. Catch you next time, guys. Control! Destroy the other balls!